0: Hi, this is Dr. John Townsend, and you're listening to Life Giver.
1: Welcome to the Life Giver Marriage Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm honored to share this journey with you. Close your eyes, My name is carol
0: Tunney. i participated in the uh, military spouse wellness summit i'm a wife of a vietnam veteran the summit really was so powerful for me especially connecting me with these military wives and showing me really what we have in common once in the military always in the
1: military with us today is shasta nelson she is the founder of GirlfriendCircles.com, a women's friendship matching site in 65 cities across the U.S. and Canada. Her spirited and soulful voice for strong female relationships can be found in her books, "For Intimacy: How to Deepen Friendships for Lifelong Health and Happiness," and "Friendships Don't Just Happen: The Guide to Creating a Meaningful Circle of Girlfriends." She also writes at Shasta'sFriendshipBlog.com, The Huffington Post speaks across the country and is a friendship expert in the media, appearing on such shows as Katie Couric and The Today Show. Shasta, thank you so much for joining us. I thought we would kick it off by would you mind sharing with us a little bit about how you started on this journey to becoming a
0: friendship expert? Yes, well, it's such a joy to be with you. And I actually just used to do a lot of counseling and coaching. and found that, I mean, I believe from the get-go that all healthy relationships are paramount to our health and our happiness, and that this is the foundation of our, uh, of of like everything we are about, especially us um, women. And I kept seeing that we were putting so much focus on our marriages and our parenting. And I just kept thinking, that's great. We want those relationships healthy, but what about our friendships? The vast majority of the relationships in our lives are not going to be people we're married to or have birthed, you know? And so we really have to figure out how to create these healthy relationships. And so it really came from a place of me just starting to say, yeah, but don't forget this, and don't forget that, and why are people not talking about how important this is? And I pretty soon found myself just saying, okay, I'll talk about it. So I've been talking about friendship and focusing on what that means, how to build it, how that's impacting our health, our brain health, and that's where I've been just really zeroed in for the last decade.
1: So this has been really fascinating to watch your journey to how encouraging people to have better friendships and then you know, these shows have picked up on it, and other people are starting to talk about, yeah, this really is an important topic. So, share a little bit about your journey of putting your passion into this and how other people have responded to you seeing that there really is a need for building our friendships.
0: Yeah, you know, it felt like at first when I started talking about it, people either felt a lot of shame because they didn't have friendships and they just kind of like sh- shut down or. Or like media, I would send out, we'd talk to magazines or TV shows and they would say, oh, we covered friendship, you know, last year in an article as though that was all we needed. And I would, I used to roll my eyes and say, and yet you cover how to lose five pounds every single issue, you know, like, and you talk about friendships once every couple of years and think you've covered it. And it used to be just kind of like a a hard thing to talk about with people. They, They felt like if they were to admit they needed friends, that they felt like there was something wrong with them. And so there was a lot of shame that I used to have to deal with. But it used to be really strong. Like if somebody had to do something to get friends, that meant something was wrong with them. And it felt like as though we were saying nobody likes me or um, I'm a bad friend or I have no friends. And so my teaching in the early days had to be a lot of Like, hey, it is very common, very normal that we are going to have to make friends multiple times in our lives. In fact, research is showing that we are replacing half our close friends every seven years. So when you think about who you feel closest to right now, and I invite everybody to just think of who are the who are the four or five people that you would say are the ones I confide in the most regularly right now? And chances are high that two or three of those names are different than who you would have named seven years ago. You know, and we start kind of realizing that there's an ebb and a flow to our relationships. And so it becomes really really important to keep talking about it and normalizing it and taking the shame away from it and to start seeing more and more of us being aware of that loneliness. I kind of call it an epidemic of unacknowledged loneliness that we have in our culture and as more of us are kind of paying attention to that and I've noticed the media has really picked up in the not last number of years and there's just been a lot more interest, a lot more willingness for us to say this matters too. We don't want to just be focused on romance only, so it's been really gratifying.
1: Do you feel that some of the shame that you're talking about, is it that people feel like once they have a good friend that they need to have that friend for the rest of their life and they yes. struggle with the fact that perhaps friends can be seasonal?
0: Yes, yes, yes. We feel like there's something wrong with us if we don't have this, the best friend and it becomes this very romantic, idealized notion, you know, and if that isn't, if that best friend isn't the best friend who is always there for us and is this you know we go on road trips like we have all this like cotton candy and pink flowers and like this big she brings me chicken soup and you know we have all this like really big mythology around it that uh, high high expectations. so it's kind of like a romance i mean it's like a marriage we feel like there's this one person we're supposed to find right and that that is the one that if we haven't found it there's something wrong with us and we we carry a lot but you know it's interesting on the romance we're a lot more comfortable saying yeah i'm single than we are saying, I need friends. And so even there, there's a whole nother level of um, kind of self-shame that we do.
1: Well, I think this is going to resonate with a lot of military spouses who are often very comfortable with having seasonal friendships because we are relocating all the time. But it's getting harder and harder to embrace that considering Facebook and social media is out there that helps us maintain these good friendships and friends are coming and going and dealing with I think the inner tension of these seasonal friendships, so before we get into that, um, in your book friend is is am I saying that right friend yes you are I mm-hmm. love that, title. and I had to
0: coin that word because I used to just always be talking about how we all need more intimacy in our lives than romance can provide, but every time I would say uh, more intimacy, everybody's brains immediately goes to sex, and I kept being like, no, there's like those two are not synonymous words, you know, but our culture has really. Done a number on that. And so I finally had to sit there and say, okay, we need to create a new folder in our heads to recognize that we need friendship intimacy. We need intimacy in our friendships as well. And that does not mean sex. We're talking Platonic intimacy. That's a
1: great title for your book. So you mentioned that most of us don't know what the definition of friendship is. So maybe we can start there. What have you, how have you defined friendship?
0: So with all the different research out there and what psychologists are studying and Facebook you mentioned and stuff like that has actually done a great service for giving us a lot more, giving sociologists a lot more to study on friendship. So the last number of years, we've had so much rich data come out, which is really awesome. And so we're starting to be able to say, here's the things when we say, how many friends do you have? For example, most of us are, mean very different things by that. That word encompasses so such a range of different types of friendship and so what I'm starting to try to do along with many other sociologists are saying what is it we're measuring when we're asking somebody how many friends they have or how many close friends they have what are the different things that we can actually help narrow that down and so for for my definition I'm kind of drawing from a lot of that research and I talk about friend intimacy which is the highest level of intimacy with another friend as any relationship between two people where they both feel seen S-E-E-N, they both feel seen by each other in a safe and satisfying way. And so you'll notice the three S's in there. We have to both feel seen. It has to be satisfying. In other words, this is a relationship we're choosing because there's a reward or because it's positive. So we're not going to choose relationships that are primarily negative, and that does not count as a friend. And it has to be a relationship that feels safe, that has a level of trust with it. And so any relationship that doesn't have one of those three things is not a healthy friendship. And we're going to talk in a few
1: minutes about what do we do if one of those three things aren't in that relationship and the relationship feels unhealthy. Before we get to that, you say on your website, I wanted to ask you about this, that you have a theory that friendship can save the world. And that is such a strong statement. So (laughs) I would love for you to unpack for us. Why do you think
0: that friendship is so necessary to quote, saving the world? Yeah, yeah, and I mean that literally. Um, The research of coming out from just a health perspective, if we just take a health perspective, physical health perspective even, we can just narrow it down. The studies right now are showing that if we feel, like how you answer the question, how loved and supported do I feel, says more about your health 20 years from now than anything else you're doing. There's doctors coming on the record now saying uh, your sense of intimacy and love in your life has, is going to be more significant to your health than whether what your diet is, how often you exercise, how much sleep you're getting, uh, your genetics, the stress levels in your lives. I mean, it is it is profound on a physical level how much of us, we're falling apart because we don't feel connected and we're in, not in community and we don't feel loved and supported. Just on a physical level, we would heal so much in the world if we could do something to increase the love in our lives. But then you take that to a mental level or an emotional level. And I mean, I can just go down. I can do a whole hour. I love talking to like medical and health communities. I could do a whole hour on just the health studies that are coming out. Um, You know, there was a study of women who had breast cancer and they tracked these women to see which women survived that diagnosis and which ones didn't and what the factors were that contributed to that. So um, whether they did green smoothies, does that help? Whether They did this treatment, whether they were married, whether they, what income level they had. And number one, by far, the most important factor to whether they survived that diagnosis was whether they said they had a close circle of supportive friends. Far more than whether they had children and far more than whether they were married. Um, you know, we just can go down a list of so many studies. So, I mean, I just think on an emotional whole level, our ability to feel like I have a, a tribe, I have love, I have connection, I have support in my life is so, so huge. But then add on to that, you were talking about saving the world. I think that our relationships are the place where we are practicing being our best versions of ourselves. And so um, I, you know, I can't just listen to a sermon on forgiveness. I have to actually be in relationship with somebody that forces me to practice forgiveness. I can't just go read a book on boundaries. I have to actually be in relationship with somebody to practice setting boundaries. You know, you look at every area of personal growth, and we have to be in relationship with somebody to practice that. And if I want to practice it with people who are on the opposite side of the political spectrum than I am, if I want to practice it with people who have a different religious background, um, who live on the other side of the world, then I better be pretty good at practicing it with people that I already claim to love and like and know. And so I really believe our friendships are the place where we practice those things so that when we're out in the world, we can practice them with strangers and with people we don't yet know and don't yet love. And so I really do believe that the more we're connected and practicing those things, the better the entire world will be. (laughs)
1: well this makes me think about our military spouse culture especially if we're relocating a lot Mm -hmm. and so we are very very quick to making friends more based off of survival and I think that's one strength that we have we very quickly put ourselves out there to secure those friendships build that intimacy of trust so that we can trust our children with them, we can um, trust them with walking our dog if we had to, or if worse came to worse and there was a huge crisis that we would have somebody.
0: So Mm -hmm. I think that's
1: something that we do really well. Yes. But as I'm listening to you talk, one of the things that concerns me is I wonder if, and I don't know the answer to this, this would be an interesting research study, if we're only around for two to three years, I wonder if most of us find ourselves putting our best selves out there. And we might move before we mm-hmm. really approach this place in our relationship where it's time to test um, mm. the relationship and not mm. go through what I think is a normal course of a relationship where there's conflict or tension and have yeah. to push in that to deepen our friendships. Yeah. And so when you talk about intimacy, I wonder, um, yes, we have Facebook and we do have Various seasons where we are called to, to deepen those friendships because we really need each other, but yeah. I wonder how many of our friendships yeah. do we really experience them on a very deep, intimate level
0: yeah, it's a great question, and one that I have to teach on often um, what we do know. Is that there are some amazing relationship models that have uh, that are out there in both our business world and our non-business world? That um, and many of us are familiar with, like we talk about the honeymoon stage. You know, when we're talking about romance, and um, and there's certainly models out there that show a stage that's very. Um, well, one of my favorite models talks about that stage, that honeymoon stage being like a pseudo community stage, which is the stage where we're all friendly. We're all putting on our best front. We're like here for each other. We're gonna support each other. We're gonna have fun. And then there's always a stage. The next stage is always one that has words like chaos stage or disappointment stage, or you know, this kind of a thing where it speaks to that disillusionment moment where you're like, oh, this person kind of annoys me. And like, oh, they're, I, w- I wanted them to be here for me and they weren't here for me in the right way, or I feel judged and you know, those kinds of things. And most of us, unfortunately, when we get to that stage, to your point, think, oh, this must be a toxic person, and we pull away, or we think, oh, this isn't very fun, I only want healthy, positive relationships, I don't want drama, and we pull away, and we have all these like, st- stories that kind of convince us that the healthy thing is to pull away, forgetting that in every relationship model, uh, it goes pseudo-community, disillusionment, and then it's community is on the other side. Um, the real intimacy is on the other side. And we know that in our marriages, you know, we know we can look back and say, I felt safer once we went through that together. I, I feel like he will still love me or she will still love me because we survived that or because they saw this side of me. And we know that. But when it comes to our friendships, I've noticed that most people get so disappointed that this isn't feeling so easy and we just kind of pull away and we don't go through that stage That actually is what we want is the intimacy on the other side to your, you know, we want that intimacy and we pull away before we get there thinking that we just want to go back to the honeymoon. We just want to go back to where it all felt good and not, not knowing that actually the real intimacy is if we push through it. So I think you're spot on. Uh, We can show up and put on our best self and really be there for each other. But the question is, um, you know, will we practice forgiving each other and practice having tough conversations and really practice seeing each other for who we are and not?
1: So, what if we do this? What if we walk through how to start and build and maintain a healthy friendship? Um, And then I think that will help us get into, you know, how do we deepen those relationships? How do we create that intimacy that's there? Um, But a lot of it has to start well, right? And so to back up what you're saying, somebody in the military spouse culture once talked about how we come into a new culture and they said it's kind of like speed dating. (laughs) And so it really, that Mm -hmm. first impression is really important. Mm -hmm. So how would you say you start a healthy friendship?
0: So going back to the definition of the three things that we know a friendship has to be, it has to be satisfying, it has to feel safe, and we both have to feel seen. And so I have created in the book Friendtimacy, I have created a friendtimacy triangle. So everyone can just picture a triangle and I can walk you through what this looks like to build and maintain a friendship. At the bottom of the triangle, every relationship starts at the foundation of that triangle. And the action that helps a relationship get started is positivity. Um, And so that one speaks to the relationship has to be satisfying. So in other words, we have to have more positivity than negativity. And so that's what you're speaking of. As we go, we want to be with people who make us laugh. We want to be with people who affirm us, who like us, who are smiling at us. And so the more positivity that we can put out into the relationship, we really want a relationship to get started on that reward of being around each other, um, being curious with each other, being interested, walking away, basically walking away, feeling better about who you are and your life because you with that other person for some in some way, so that's the very bottom. Um, relation, every relationship kind of needs that place to get started research is showing us that we need to have about five to one positive to negative interactions. So even at that place, it's not to say that we're not going to be disappointed by each other or that they're never going to be late or that we're going to love everything about them or that they're not going to sometimes complain or that they're not going to always answer the you know, give us the right response. But what we do know is that we need five, we have to have five positive interactions for every negative interaction. So think of it as five deposits for every withdrawal in a friendship in order for it to stay healthy throughout its entire life. And that is true of marriage as well. um, Research are saying that any marriage that drops below, you know, a five to one ratio is starting to put itself into a danger position. And very few marriages can make it when they drop below the three to one. And, you know, most of us, by the time we're getting help and getting going to counseling, that's probably reversed, you know, and we go and we deal with the problems more and forgetting that, we may not always be able to decrease every problem, but we can always add positivity to a relationship. So this is one that's huge. So are you saying that not only
1: do we need to be looking for a friend who can offer those that five to one ratio, but that we're also responsible for giving that five to one yes. ratio? How positive are we being as Absolutely. we move forward?
0: Absolutely. In fact, I would say if we're making friends, many of us are making friends when we're in crisis or when we're hurt. And like, those are the moments where we realize we didn't have the support we wanted or something. And so I have to constantly be reminding all of us, That just because we're hurting and we're making new friends doesn't mean they need to become our therapist now. And just because they're kind, it doesn't mean we have earned the right to make withdrawals on them and expect them to show up and support us. You know, I mean, we have to show up and say, "Hey, I have not put enough deposits in this bank to be making withdrawals and to be needing somebody to be there for me." And my job right now is to help this other person feel good about who they are for having been with me, not for like grabbing them by the throat and pulling my drama into their life. And so, yeah, absolutely, we have. to show up and say my job is to add positivity to this other person's life
1: how do we know because there's a lot of people that we'll run into sometimes that do take a lot of withdrawals from us right so what are some signs that we're doing that to someone else
0: Well, I think if we showed up with the uh, well, certainly there's there's several. But I say if we show up with the intention of saying, my job when I'm meeting anybody is to be adding joy to their life. And so there is many pathways to positivity. A few of my favorite ones are gratitude, um, curiosity about their life, affirmation. um, You know, being able to show up and and add like basically make them. So, so, so back up for a second. That means, yes, I can show up and be in pain, but am I still showing interest in their life or am I taking all the airspace? You know, yes, I can show up and be in pain. I'm not acting like Pollyanna, but am I saying thank you to them? Am I showing gratitude? Yes, I can show up in pain. Am I affirming them and making sure that they walk away feeling good about who they are? So we're not talking about avoiding pain, but we're talking about our job is to say, first and foremost, my job when I'm meeting people is to make sure they walk away not feeling um, exhausted by my drama.
1: (laughs) So what I'm hearing from you is possibly a good first step into starting a healthy relationship is being aware of ourselves and being aware of the fact that Um, are we being a positive or negative person in that person's life? Are we curious about their life? Are we grateful for them? Are we contributing in some way to um, bringing joy into their life and perhaps not expecting too much from them as well, but starting off with
0: a good balance? Yep. Yep. So at the very beginning positivity, because we're not going to want to hang out with somebody again. If we left, even if, even if it's subconscious, if we left them feeling weary or tired or kind of overwhelmed or not sure if they like us, you know, any of those little doubts, we're going to be less likely to want to repeat that experience, even if we don't consciously think that. So at the beginning of a friendship, you just have to have that desire to lean in. So anything that helps us both say, Oh, that was fun. Let's do it again. is super important.
1: So let's lean into this next stage that you talked about. Um, I think you called it disillusionment. Is yeah. that right? Your book for intimacy talks about deepening these, these relationships and how it's important for us to move through that. One of the things I love about doing counseling with couples is realizing that, you know, they may feel hopeless in the moment of that conflict, but if yeah. they can just push through that conflict, there's wonderful intimacy and understanding on the other side. Yes. Yes. So, um, walk us through how we can get through those tough seasons in our friendships where we do enter that stage of disillusionment.
0: Yeah. So at the triangle, we have positivity at the bottom. So this is one of the requirements of, of our relationships. If we don't have it, it's not a healthy relationship. And then the other two arms of the triangle, you think about going up to the point at the top of the triangle is one is vulnerability and one is consistency. And so um, if intimacy is what we have at the very top of the triangle, um, what we want to do is move some relationships from the bottom. So at the bottom, we're positive, right? We're friendly to everybody. So our goal at the beginning of starting all relationships is positivity. It's friendliness. And with some of those people, we will develop a friendship with, which means we're going to move up consistency, seeing them more often, putting more history in place, building that trust, building that sense of commitment to each other. And at the same time, we're also growing up that other arm of the triangle, which is vulnerability, which is how we're seen with each other. And so it's the sharing and the revealing and the opening up of ourselves. And so usually, um, we want to try to build those two arms of the triangle somewhat simultaneously so that as our commitment goes up, as our consistency goes up, as our regularity with somebody goes up, so should our vulnerability with them. And so our goal is to build those two, almost like there's a shelf between, and we want that shelf to stay as flat as possible. The vast majority of our relationships, when you're talking about seasonal relationships or um, you know, the vast majority of people we work with or go to church with or see at certain group meetings, um, they'll, they'll stay, like let's say the bottom of the triangle is zero and the top of the triangle is ten. You know, most people will stay in our relationships at fours and fives and that's fine. And, our, and those are meaningful and very helpful in certain settings as well. And a few of our relationships are going to go all the way up that triangle as our, as our consistency and our vulnerability continue to climb. And hopefully a few people will get up to the eight, nine and ten in our lives. And so when you're speaking of having conflict, it's always, always, because one of those three requirements is not working. And so I can guarantee that in any marriage or friendship, if there's a relationship that's not feeling good, it's because one of those three areas is in lack, at least one of those three areas is in lack. And so with any friendship, we can immediately start to repair it by first evaluating it and saying... Okay, is our positivity good? You know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how positive is this friendship feeling? Is our vulnerability mutual? Does it feel safe? Does it feel good? Are we both sharing? Are we both feeling seen? Are we both feeling more known by each other on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, on an inconsistency, are are we spending enough time together? Are we connecting? Are we building that history? Do we have momentum? Do we have a sense of what's going on in each other's lives? And so you can immediately sit there and say... Wow, I think the reason we have conflict is because um, we've just had so much drama. it's been more po- negativity than positivity. Okay, how can I fix that? okay, I've got to figure out a way to decrease the negativity or increase the positivity, you know, or maybe this isn't working because I'm oversharing and I don't know what's going on in her life or I'm not sharing enough and I'm not being open and vulnerable, or you know it's, you can start immediately fixing the relationship only first by identifying which of those three is in trouble. Does that make sense? It does.
1: It does. And I imagine that just like in our marriages, we sometimes struggle through in friendships, these different expectations of each other and working through that conversation to understand what are our expectations of each other in the friendship.
0: Yes. Yes. So the biggest problem really is um, if we start building friends and we think, oh, she's going to be my new best friend because I'm looking for a new best friend. And really, if the truth of the matter is you can't pinky promise yourself into a best friendship. You have to develop a friendship. And so, at the, again, it's starting at the bottom with this person. And no matter how much you like her, no matter how nice she is, no matter how much she likes you back, you're still at a level one or two. And you have to put in that consistency and that vulnerability over time to move it up. And so where you're talking about the biggest conflicts undoubtedly are usually where our relationship really is probably a four or a five, but it might be the deepest friendship in our life. And so to us, we assume it's a best friend, and we treat it as though it should be acting like a nine or a ten in our lives because we don't have six, seven, eight, nine, and ten in our lives. So most, when I talk about an epidemic of unacknowledged loneliness in this world, One of the downsides of that is that when we actually do start building a relationship, we look around and say, oh, I feel closest to her. So she's my best friend, forgetting that we have not done the practice of going through the disillusionment stage. We haven't done the intimacy work. We haven't built up a ton of history. We haven't really revealed ourselves, honestly. And part of vulnerability is speaking of when we feel disappointed and speak. And that stuff takes practice and that takes time. And so, yeah, I think... I, does that help make sense? I think we expect a four to act like a nine and then we get our feelings hurt. It
1: yeah. does. And I wonder if sometimes we walk into a relationship, a friendship with kind of that desperation of yes. meeting a friend. I, I could totally yeah. see this in my life, have seen it happen in my life, or other military spouses, that we enter into a new community and we're so desperate for friendship that we walk into it with huge expectations, hoping that it's at a nine when we haven't put forth the work in. And I think sometimes we may come across a little overwhelming to other people if we're walking into a friendship in a desperate place or in a deficit. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and the gift I wanna give your listeners is, I wanna offer a gift that I'll make sure I get the link to you. Of, uh, of a Of a class that I want to teach on the five types of friendship, because I very clearly in that line you kind of outline that how every friendship starts and it goes through these five circles and you know and kind of to your point. If you want some of these seasonal friends to survive that season, you need to know what to do to move them to a different circle. And if not, then you, you need to at least acknowledge this is a person. We have a lot of intimacy in this area and we can trust each other in this area. But what that's, that doesn't mean we're best friends and that I have ha- should have expectations of them in all other life areas and stuff. So I think it's really important to realize that we <laughs> we don't get to go auditioning for a best friend. We don't get to say, I have an opening. And I'm going to interview you and you're it and you got the job and plop them in, you know? Every relationship starts at the bottom of that triangle. And the only way to the top is by developing it with those three actions over and over and over. There's no other way to the top. You can't just vomit your life story in vulnerability and think you're now best friends. You know, you can't just have a great party night out and stay up all night. Now you're best friends. You know, you have to repeat those three actions over and over to create that friendship.
1: That's such a great, great way of saying that. And I know that our listeners are going to really benefit from that class because I think that we really desperately need to understand not only where we are in our friendships, but how
0: we can develop the friendships that are around us. Mm -hmm. Uh, And appreciate the ones for all of them. You know, not every friendship has to be a best friend to still be valuable and, but but to have healthy expectations of each of them along the way and appreciate what they do have and have expectations around what they don't have.
1: Absolutely. Well said. I I have a question. I think it's a perfect place for this question, which is how do we be protective of our marriages in the types of friendships that we have? Do you believe that we should be able to have these um, friendships
0: with those of the opposite sex? Yes, it's a great question. Research is divided on this. Um, So I will answer it by saying that every healthy relationship, including marriage, has to follow these three requirements. Everything that we want in a relationship falls under these three requirements. And so we build a marriage the same way. Um, And so certainly a spouse uh, we would hope it would be an 8, 9, or 10 in our life. Not all marriages are. Just because you're married doesn't mean you're automatically both feeling seen and being vulnerable and having that positivity, but certainly that's our goal. And yeah, it's a tricky thing to figure out how do you do that with the opposite sex. There's many, many great examples of people who feel that they have done that and created something really meaningful, and I want to value that. And um, there's a lot of research that suggests there's still a sexual undertone um, to many of those relationships that we just need to be aware of. I think the most important thing I would answer to protecting our marriages is to making sure that our marriages are at an 8, 9, or 10 as much as possible, which means high 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 vulnerability and both people feeling safe to be able to share what they need to share and so um, we really want to make sure we're protecting those marriages by keeping our positivity with those marriages up, our vulnerability with those marriages up, and our consistency. Seeing each other, putting in the time, having fun together, going on dates, you know, I'm building the bank of memories together.
1: Do you think it applies to the same thing we were talking about expectations that we are expecting the right things from our friendship? So I guess my question for you would be, how do we know what to take to our spouse versus what to take to a friend?
0: That's a great question, and I think the answer would be different for all of us because we're seeing that there's a great, great book called Vital Friends, and I think it came out from Gallup, and they talk about the eight different types of friends, and that usually most of us play one or two roles of those. You know, so we some of us are the advisor friend, and some of us are the, um, trying to think of some of the other names they have, but kind of acknowledging that we all have different strengths and we all have different roles that we play in our relationships. And so I think a spouse going to have different strengths and different, you know, our spouses will all play different roles in our lives. Um, so I, I would not be inclined to stereotype that I have a marriage where I would, um, I would want to talk about any of that with my husband. Um, about how I'm feeling about other relationships, how I'm feeling about um, different, different things that are inside of me, but not everybody has a spouse that will be doing that in a meaningful way. And so I think a part of it's a strategic call of saying who in my life, even our friends aren't the same, you know, I mean, we can't, we can't call one friend and then get mad when they give us advice. (laughs) If that's the, the role that they have, we've often asked them to play, you know? And so, I mean, we kind of start getting a sense of like, who our friends are and what their strengths are. And I think a spouse certainly has their own strengths that are separate from and will look different in each of our marriages. I
1: think that's actually a very wise answer. You know, it has to be this way all the time. As a clinician, I would most often see my colleagues saying to steer clear from relationships that might easily turn into an emotional affair. And one mm-hmm. of the ways that we can do that is speaking to your vulnerability, your triangle, that we are not opening up to other people of the opposite sex that are not our spouse in a vulnerable way especially for sharing deep hurts about our our relationship and our marriage opening ourselves up to um, developing a a deep intimacy with someone of the opposite sex that should be fulfilled in our marriage and in our spouse Mm -hmm. so I would probably go on the side of protecting our relationships by not expecting something from a friendship that should come from our spouse Mm -hmm. but I do like what you said and I'm a huge Gallup fan as well that um, there are varying levels of strengths in our relationships and so there are some things that our spouse is very strong at and that we go to them for those things and that these friends that we have around us can complement that Mm. I think we both agree that we do have to have some level of protection around our marriage and that being a relationship that is the most long-lasting and the most intimate of our relationships so that we keep that secure and safe
0: yeah, and so maybe to that point, how we could talk about it, like when I we was talking about the friend intimacy triangle is thinking through what is my commitment level to this friend right now, and if they're a member of the opposite sex or somebody we're romantically interested in, for example, maybe maybe I'm, my commitment level, and we're talking the consistency arm of the triangle now, is a four or a five. Okay, so what's appropriate vulnerability look like at a four or a five? And so let me give an example for everybody of what vulnerability looks like at the bottom of the triangle versus the top of the triangle. When we talk about something that feels very vulnerable, marriage that's not working or not feeling good, for example. It doesn't mean we hide it. It doesn't mean we're like, oh, don't tell any friends until the third or fourth date or time that we're together before this. So what we can say at the beginning, though, is awareness that vulnerability in the early stages means saying, yeah, and I'm hoping this is probably with somebody that you're not at risk of having an emotional affair with, but being able to say, yeah, my marriage isn't feeling super good right now, and I'm working on that. But one of the things I'm really committed to is building healthy relationships around me during this time. And so we're sharing something vulnerable, but we're not using that person to process it with, we're aware that we are just meeting this person, they are not our therapist, they are not our counselor, they have not earned the right for us to be sharing at a level 10. And so we have said something and we're honest, we're not like showing up and being like, everything's great, I'm Pollyanna, we're not like coming in with a front. And yet we're very aware of our boundaries. And we're very clear, we're not, we're not communicating that we expect anything from that person in response to that. And that's healthy vulnerability, in my opinion, at a one, two, three. a level higher, you know, if I'm looking, if I'm still giving that answer to somebody that I've developed a lot of history with, with a really close girlfriend, you know, somebody who I've developed a deep level of intimacy with, and if she's an eight or nine on that triangle then if I'm still giving that same answer, oh, my marriage is not doing that great, you know, but I'm working on it. And if that's all I'm saying, then I'm not honoring that friendship at that level either. It's at that level that I should be saying, oh my goodness, I'm scared. I don't know what I'm doing. And I think that we're losing this and I need help. And I'm scared. What if I made the wrong choice? And how am I processing this? And that's where I should be showing up and, you know, doing that. But that's only at a very, very high level of, of something that I've developed with somebody. So if we're at a friendship with a four or five, it doesn't matter if we don't have somebody higher than that. That is not that person's job to be acting like an 8, 9, or 10 in our life when they are not that. And so I think it's our job to say I can't put somebody in that position just because they are a nice person, just because I trust them. just because, like, We haven't developed that. So it's very inappropriate, in my opinion, um, to be adding that kind of level of vulnerability in a place that has not been earned or is not safe
1: so you mentioned boundaries and i think that's a great segue to talk about is there such thing as toxic relationships and how would we know if a relationship is unhealthy and in one of your blogs you had a wonderful quote that i wanted to Um, have you respond to, you said the truth is that it's less about who is toxic and who isn't and more about how to teach people how to create healthier friendships. So what can we do to make sure that these relationships are healthy and how do we figure out if there actually is a toxic
0: relationship and possibly need to look at ending it? So my rule of thumb is that the more I've invested in the relationship, the more I'm willing to try to repair the relationship. So when you're looking at that triangle, if it's somebody that I'm a seven, eight, nine, 10 with, then no matter how painful it is, no matter how mad I am, no matter how hurt I got, I am going to do whatever I can to try to repair that relationship. I'm gonna have the tough conversation. I'm gonna share my heart. I'm gonna be vulnerable. I'm going to put in the time. Um, you know, if somebody disappoints me and we're at level two or three, I'm probably not going to go to bat (laughs) to like, try to fix this thing. I'm just going to say like, this isn't, you know, there's an, and for all of us, we have to make that decision based upon the relationships that we have in our lives. If we have a healthy bunch of relationships, we don't need to fight for beginning ones and try to fix what isn't really even meaningful yet. So for me, it's, uh, I'm willing to go to bat, uh, the higher up that triangle I am with somebody. So, when we talk about toxic, my first step is always before ever calling somebody toxic is recognizing that it's not that person that's toxic. Something is not working in our relationship. So, there's always a me, a her. And an us. And it's the us that isn't working right now. So I'm as much that us as she is. And so the question is, what's something I can do to show up and shift that us? Even if we sit there and go, well, it's her problem, she da 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 da, you know, whatever that thing is, it's usually that she's not making enough time for me, which is a consistency issue, or, or she's not responding the way I want when I'm sharing something, which is a vulnerability issue, or um, she's always whining or complaining or one upping me or jealous of me or, you know, whatever, that's a positivity issue. So, what is one thing I can do to show up and like try to help shift that and to repair that? and make make great strides on that and then I would only say that if I've made several attempts at building up those three areas and it's not working then I'm not necessarily breaking up with somebody I'm simply acknowledging that this is not a healthy relationship and as much as I want her to be an eight or nine it's not if she's if we're simply not able to do that I need to be okay with it being a three or four and it's not so much even always having to get rid of her in my life. It's simply more often I have to shift my expectations to say, okay, she's not one of my best friends. I can still be in a social setting with her. I can still interact with her. I don't have to like go into anything, but um, it's simply acknowledging that the level of trust that I wanted it to be isn't there. And it's not a healthy relationship for me to be sharing at a high, high level of vulnerability and putting in a bunch of time into
1: that's such a painful experience for anybody to go through. It is. It's and, a grief, it's um, a loss. It is a grief and a loss. Yep, absolutely. And it's a relationship like any other relationship. And you've done a yep. great job kind of comparing that to a marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. And so and I think that you're right, people do experience a lot of shame to see a friendship that might have to shift and Mm -hmm. the, the deepness of the relationship and our expectations of that and to grieve that this person is not what I would have liked for them to have been in my life.
0: And either way, when we have that mismatch, it feels disappointing on both sides. You know, you either feel guilty for not being enough or you feel frustrated that she's not enough And what I will say that makes a friendship one of the benefits of a friendship over a romantic relationship, for example, is that most of us are only looking for one romantic relationship. So if this person isn't that person that we're going to go all the way to a 10 with, then we have to make decisions about, okay, do I need to end this and get out of it so that I can find somebody else? And in our friendships, we don't have to do that. We are not just looking for one person who is our own, as everything. And so in our friendship, it's more of a matter of saying, you know what, there's a lot of value at having friends all along that triangle. Research shows us we're more likely to work out if we know somebody at the gym. Research shows us we're more likely to show up at church regularly if we know people there. They don't have to be a 10 in all those settings. They don't have to be our best friend, but we need to have people that we know when we go places. We feel safer dropping our kids off at the school We know some of the other parents, you know, and so we can find a lot of value with friendships in many, many different ways. And so one of the cool things about this is that we can grieve that this friendship may not now be a 10. Um, but it doesn't mean it can't be a year from now, or it doesn't mean that um, it doesn't always mean that it has to end and that we just will never talk to them again. It just means there's an ebb and a flow. And it's more about being aware and acknowledging what it is right now and appreciating it for what it is and setting our expectations for what it isn't. And that's very hard to do. I say that, I know I say that, so it's an easy thing and it's so, so hard. But I think that's a promising thing.
1: Well, and one of the things that I'm loving that's coming out of the summit of 2016 is that really the biggest message of all of all of these expert interviews with all of you is, is that we recognize the humanness in ourselves
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we recognize the humanness in our spouse
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I, I I would like to compare what you're saying about friends and our expectations of friends and that we can't expect everything from one person in our yes. friendships yeah. to be true in our marriages as well. It's yes. very easy to take all of our wants and needs and expect that our spouse should be able to fulfill everything. Yes. Yes. And we're really setting them up for failure if we're expecting oh. them to be everything and be perfect. Yes. And and that's why I'm loving this theme that's coming up throughout the week, which is how do we allow Ourselves to be human and make mistakes, but also how do we embrace the fact that our spouse is going to make mistakes and they can 't be everything either mm-hmm. and this really gets back to because our spouse is human because we 're human um, that it's it 's good for us to have these different kinds of friendships that are around us that can meet those needs of other things that we can 't expect at all to come from our spouse
0: yes, and I would say i would only I would only shift what you 're saying to say in it, it doesn't, it may not even be mistakes. It's simply no person, even if they are perfectly who they are, can't be everything. You know, like you look at, we were talking about Gallup and you talk about StrengthsFinder, you use any inventory to measure who people are. And you're just really aware that we all are different people with different strengths and with different gifts and nobody can be everything to anybody. So even if it's not a mistake, you know, I often have to say to women um, and helping them shift expectations, if you're feeling frustrated with a friend for not being there for you, it's probably not, that friend's fault. It's probably your responsibility for not having built up enough circle of friends in your lives to be able to support you through this. And it's not always that we have a fault that we can't be there for each other. You know, I was on book tour for two months. Like, if my friends needed something, I couldn't show up in the same way. And it's not a mistake of mine, it's not a flaw of mine. You know, we have babies, we go off the radar, we can't like show up in the way we get distracted. We have travel with our jobs, we have busy seasons, we need to go care for aging parents. You know, I mean, we simply, with all the love we have for each other, can't always be there for each other and don't always have the strengths to be there in the right way for each other. So it's really, um, I didn't want to interrupt you other than to say that it's. I think we really need to say, even if our friends are perfect who they are, they're still going to disappoint us. And it's our job to make sure we have a circle of friends in our lives that can, including our spouses. But we have to have that community that can meet different needs in our lives. That's our job. That's not anybody else's job to do all that for us, in my opinion.
1: No, it absolutely needs to be said. And I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I think one of the things that we struggle with as military families. Um, and, and I think all of the military spouses out there will smile a little bit when I say this, because it's almost like I'm giving some secret away about the military culture. I won't tell anyone. (laughs) Well, it's actually something that military spouses don't talk about very often, but that we really struggle with. And, and that is that when our service member deploys or when they're gone in training or separations or whatever, um, we depend on our friendships very much so to survive mm-hmm. and stay connected and not just so that we can get to the grocery store and buy milk without toddlers hanging off of both arms. Um, this is everything from Um, having the sense of community and a place to talk and be normal and and have that need fulfilled Um, or whether it's traumatic difficult things going on in our life and we really rely on these friendships Anybody who's lived on post before, and this happened actually more so when um, a lot of our service members were deployed in large groups at a time. Nowadays, they're kind of deploying in like mutants and Legos and pieces, but especially when they were being deployed in large groups at a mm-hmm. time, what you would often see in a neighborhood is a whole block or more would be deployed all at once, mm-hmm. and there would be a massive amount of intimacy and community and support of the neighbors, Of and you would develop these wonderful friendships. And then the service member would come home Mm. and everyone would go into their homes and not come out Mm. and part of it was that you know our spouse is home we want to make sure that we reintegrate well we want to make sure that we give everything we can to our family reconnecting during that reintegration but what i have experienced myself and have heard from so many military spouses is this Mm. deep grieving and loss of suddenly i can't have my Um, friendships that I had before that it feels somehow like we have to choose between our marriage versus our friends and we don't know how to ask for that friend time again and Mm -hmm. I've heard from so many spouses who've said if they could go back and do it again they would have somehow communicated to their service member I love you I'm so glad you're home Um, but I also have these deep meaningful relationships that I need to continue to maintain and foster. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. mm -hmm. And so I need to go for that walk for my sanity. And I, and so it makes me sad to see that we kind of go in our homes and close off as if that's the only thing that we should be concentrating on. Mm. So what would you say to these Mm. spouses who are maybe in that situation, how we can navigate that conversation with our spouse, how we can keep that balance of our friendships and our marriage?
0: Mm. It's so beautiful. Well said. And and that sounds like a much more intense experience, but it's something we face in all of culture. There's a reputation, especially among women, that when we're single, we are more likely to be fostering our friends. And then we start dating somebody or fall in love. And suddenly we are like all about the romance and our friends feel like we've just walked out on them. And then suddenly we're, they break up and we're here again, you know. And so we do this. Uh, I think it's our tendency to kind of prioritize that romance relationship and feel exclusive with it. So it's a well-articulated issue. And I would say we really, really need to see our friendships as a health practice in our lives, the same way we would about exercise or a diet or sleep. And it's so true. It's not just this like little like, Oh yeah, go have girls night. It's important. It's simply, it is one of the most stress releasing things in our entire lives is to feel support from friends more so than, um, marriages and children. We have more highs in our marriages and our, as a, as a parent, but we also have way more lows. There's a lot more stress in those relationships. There's a lot more negotiation happening. There's a lot more, um, you know, having to do responsibilities and roles and figure all that out. Our friendships, our research is continuing to show it has such a positive benefit in our lives that our marriages don't, I I hope that changes. And I think it is changing, but marriage by and large hasn't been, overly healthy for women in history so far. You know, married women are depressed more often. We've got, I mean, there's a lot of research that just shows that marriage doesn't always boost our happiness and health in the same way that friendships do. So I think, I think we just need to really believe that and know that and to say this friendship, I have to keep making time for these friendships in order to, I mean, it's just simply a practice in our lives. It's a ritual that we have to maintain. You're absolutely right. But I think it comes down to us not understanding just how significant How truly significant those friendships are that they aren't just there for us in crisis and need they have to be there we have to maintain them we have to take care of them so that when we are in crisis and need we have them well
1: and I would like to based off of what you're just now saying I'd like to encourage our military spouses and and it will encourage them that your service member also truly yes. knows the benefit of the battle buddies that they have and the deep friendships that they have and that they more than likely very much understand this connection Yeah, and they need it and need it too. Absolutely. Yeah. And they need permission to go yes. and have those phone calls or yes. those um, nights out or whatever that they're doing things that are appropriate and responsible. All of us, yes. Yes. you know, and so asking as a couple to come together and have some sort of agreement where you um, challenge each other to spend time with with each other's friends, that you have these separate friends that you spend time with and sometimes on on the rare occasion that we find that couple friend that we're both friends with Mm -hmm. that we're able to spend that kind of time together too. I agree the positivity even in our marriage can go up after an evening of laughing with friends and we oh. need that. We can't expect everything from each other. Oh. So I love to transition because you talk about, um, connecting in other ways than face to face and so I'd love to hear um, what your experience has been in watching the culture shift to our friendships forming online Mm -hmm. and how that's impacted our face to face relationships and um, I'd love to hear what do you see in the culture now as it relates to connecting with our friendships so social media wise versus face to face
0: So I think the most important thing to come back to is like the front triangle because I think that helps us have a visual of what is required for a healthy relationship. Face to face isn't actually required. What is required is positivity consistency and vulnerability. So there are, I wanna give huge props, and this goes true for when our spouses are deployed and stuff like that, we can maintain those three actions and maintain a high, high level of connection if we can still stay in touch with them in whatever ways and we can still be vulnerable and keep sharing each other what our lives are and how we're changing and growing and if we can keep that positivity high. And so um, there are many people who have built, have social media and um, online and virtual ways, have allowed people to connect and experience intimacy of people who are shut into their house. We have a lot of people who have chronic pain and illness who are now able to really build meaningful relationships. Um, so I am a big, big fan of any tool that helps us stay in touch and helps us do those three actions. With that said, we also know that um, physical touch and smiles and connection are part of positivity and part of us building trust. And so that is a tool as well that when we can use it is so, so um, enhancing of a relationship and so meaningful. So, um, you know, I had to make decisions when and all of us have to do this when we move, um, is that kind of feeling of like, well, I just stay in touch with all the people I already know because, you know, we've got all the tools in place now. We don't have to, um, know, we don't have to see each other. And yet we all make decisions. And I came to a place myself where I was just like, as much as I don't want to start all over with people, the truth of the matter is, I don't want to be on the phone every night either in order to do what it will take to maintain the intimacy of those relationships that I've moved away from those people now. And I do want people who are local with me, who I'm not just updating, but who I'm going out and celebrating with. I do want people who I'm not just telling them what I'm doing, but where I'm making memories with them. I do want people who I can look face to face and laugh and touch their knee and hug them and hold each other you know, and I do want that. And so, um, I think for, but, but not every, like some of my closest friends, I don't, I'm not local to them, you know, we are, our relationships are virtual. Um, so I think all of us have to find that balance that works for us. And the more important question is, do you have the two or three or four people who you are feeling seen and loved and known by and in whatever ways you need to do that um, are you building those three requirements up to make sure those relationships can sustain that and for me I only want I don't want more than I don't want all of them to be long distance I want one of them at least local at any given time but I know that for all of us we have to kind of find that different balance but it's not required I guess the physical touch is not required but it certainly adds a lot of value um, uh, that we are seeing in research. That brings me to asking
1: you this question about what you've developed with the Girlfriend Circles and how you're finding meaningful ways for um, people to connect and develop these friendships. So would you mind sharing with us a little bit about what is Girlfriend Circles and what what is your passion behind what you'd like to see happen?
0: Yeah, thank you. Girlfriend Circles is the community that's of women who are committed to building healthy relationships in their life and so um, what I what we're trying to do in that community is it's a place where women join and become a member and do two things one is they every month we teach a new class on an element of healthy friendships whether it's setting healthy expectations in a friendship or how to build a relationship with a long-distance friend or um, how to increase the positivity so we take a different theme every month and teach a class and set a goal for ourselves to practice that theme in our relationships and we have a bunch of resources that go along with it and it's a community where we We create deeper conversations uh, processing some of those questions in our lives and practice on each other and connecting and asking advice of each other. So it's one of the most beautiful communities of women who are women who really value and know how important their friendships are and acknowledge that. Um, But they take development. And most of us have never been taught friendship. Most of us have never taken a class on friendship and are willing to do something to actually say, you know what, I'm gonna, for a year, focus on making sure that I'm building really meaningful, healthy relationships. So it's a beautiful community.
1: Well, I can see how this community would very much benefit our military spouses because of the constant transition that we're in, because of our need to possibly develop our friendships better and learn how to develop those friendships better. I think it's a good awareness tool also for us to be able to. take a look in our own life and see where are we on the spectrum of positivity and consistency and vulnerability and um, perhaps the girlfriend circles would give us a really good place to connect with each other and um, have some friendships even if they're just acquaintances that are at like you said the one two three or whatever Mm -hmm. that give us this feeling of consistency as we make these transitions so that we don't feel alone i know there's a lot of military spouses that feel very alone and, and we struggle through what i would like to call the first it's kind of like a pregnancy and the first six months of moving is very difficult and you Mm. you know get over the honeymoon period of being in a new place and suddenly realize how alone we feel and like you said now it's time to connect and my hope is that the girlfriend circles would give us a chance to not only develop personally and and reach some goals for ourselves but also maintain some level of connection and finding how we can become better friends.
0: Yeah. So and we create some circles in girlfriend circles where conversations among people who have similar commonalities can connect and so what we could do is create a circle for military spouses or you know in that world where you can participate in the large umbrella of the topic every month, and then also go deeper with other people who know your scenario and your situation, and be able to say, "What does that look like in our situation?" You know, it, it is a really important conversation to be having. That is a great, great idea. Yeah, we'd um, be happy I appreciate to appreciate
1: you that. thinking of that. So, um, anything else that you would like to share about the class that you're offering that will help us um, understand the five different types of friendship?
0: Yeah, what I would love to just gift everybody with is I think it's so important. It comes from my first book, The Friendships Don't Just Happen, and has been really popular and meaningful to so many people, is the five different types of friendship. And it's so important for us to... Um, to articulate because it helps us say when we feel lonely it helps us say which circle is the lonely circle because when most of us say I feel lonely it's not because we have no friends it's not because we have nobody that we know usually it's because one of those five circles is feeling like it's not being fulfilled and so it helps us be able to evaluate what relationships we do have and which ones we might be wanting to be more intentional about developing and then how to do that so it's a one-hour class and we also are going to provide a worksheet with it to kind of help you evaluate your current scenario of friendships and be able to articulate um, what you need to do personally to kind of create a custom plan for you as you want to develop more intimacy in your life. Well, Shasta,
1: your expertise and your wisdom has been so wonderful. I can tell you for a fact that I know that this is going to really resonate within the military spouse world. Um, it is a constant struggle and, and beauty that we have in the friendships that we have and the tight community that we have. And we all need to find better ways to develop ourselves into being better friends, but also know how to start the process of building a friendship in a healthy way. And I can't thank you enough for joining us. You've been wonderful. Oh, my,
0: thank you. My honor, my honor, and just huge blessings on all of you. I mean, I have so much respect and admiration for what you do um, for yeah, for what you have to continue to practice more than most of us, for sure. And the the highs of that, I love that you have a sense of being able to step in and really serve each other. And that's something that many of us don't have, but also the, the tremendous uh, challenge that you have to step into regularly to re- repeat this experience over and over and to like still show up and be vulnerable and build intimacy when you know it may not last forever. So yeah, my heart goes out to all of you blessings on you as you continue to not give up on creating friend intimacy and on making sure that your needs are met and making sure that you can answer the question, how loved and supported do I feel with a resounding, yes, I feel really like I have a great support system in place. I want that for you. Would you
1: like to send in a shout out and have it included on the life giver podcast, anyone civilian or military can thank a military spouse who has made a difference in your life. Or say thank you to a service member for working hard on your marriage. Record your shout out by using your voice memo app available on your device and email it to Corey at CoryWeathers.com. Or call in and leave a voicemail shout out to 706 431
0: 7222, and we will do our best to include it in future podcasts.